I think we as humans, we have a certain bandwidth. And with recruiting, you need to be very high energy every day. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. I am your host, Mark Whitby, and I'm very happy to be joined today by Enrique Miquel. Enrique is the founder of Pharma New Talent, a life sciences recruitment firm that he launched in July 2021, right after the birth of his daughter, Olivia. Enrique is also the host of the Pharma New Talent Podcast. Enrique has a master's in science in pharmacy and an executive master's degree in marketing from Assad Business School. Prior to launching his recruitment company, he was an international brand manager in charge of Middle East and Asia Asia regions, having launched medical products in eight different countries and growing with the company from 500,000 euros in 2014 to 10 million euros in 2021. I've worked with Enrique as a member of our coaching program. And what we love about him is he has a massive action taker. He's implemented many of the strategies we teach and put his own unique spin on things. Enrique, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Mark. Super excited to to be here today. I was thinking about this like your favorite rock band. Uh, You're in the concert and they invite you to be on stage. So it feels kind of it. And again, it's uh, crazy how much I learned from, from this podcast, even before going into recruitment. So super excited to be here with you today. Fantastic. Mark. I'm excited too. So tell me the story of why you started a recruitment firm. It's not an obvious, you know, you you came from the industry that you now recruit for. You didn't come from a, a recruitment agency background. So what inspired you to want to get into recruiting and executive search? Yeah, it was a combination of situations. Uh, you say one of the most important to think uh, when starting the, the business, what that the uh, the date of giving birth or my partner giving birth to uh, my daughter, Olivia, was to me a way to really rethink priorities. What did I want to do in, in life? Especially this came after COVID also. So this was a period of long reflections of what would I wanted to, to do next. But you are right. I didn't have any of recruitment agency background. I didn't, I haven't been a recruiter my own. I was a, a product manager. But I happened to have the luck to, during this period in the industry, which was almost seven years, I had the luck to recruit myself in a, without agency, like a do-it-yourself recruitment. So I was building teams, building business units, and I had kind of a touch of what recruitment was because I had to do it for my own teams. And when I shifted company, in, when I changed company in 2021, I had the same title. I, I was an international product manager. I was in charge of different countries. But all of a sudden, I had no recruitment in my, in my job description. And I realized I was missing, kind of missing that. Right. It was kind of those um, aha moments when, when you know, okay, I, I, I love that thing. And that combined with, yeah, the fact that I was about to become a father and I wanted more time, more freedom for, for me. Uh, was the inspiration to take the plunge and, and jump into everything, recruitment, building pharma, new talent, and, and everything. That's so cool. So you had, obviously, during 2020, during COVID, you were reflecting a lot, trying to figure out, you know, what do I want my life to be about? What do I want to focus on? As you say, re- redefining your priorities. Then your daughter being born, you wanted something that gave you more freedom, more flexibility, something... Um, 
where you, and, and you realized that in your corporate role, one of the parts of the job you actually enjoyed most was the recruiting part. So that sort of makes sense, but sort of not because, you know, it's, it's a big difference to recruit for your own team to then recruit for lots of other companies. What experience or what was the thought process that made you think, uh, well, I was good at building my own team and I could do that for other companies, you know, that, yeah. that leap, um, cause there, there must've been lots of other things you could have done. Yeah. So why, why recruiting? Yeah. So, uh, there was a, two more things to okay. that. Um, I received a headhunter call, uh, <laughs> which I never had worked with in, in my previous role. So as I said, I, I built all the teams, so I di really didn't know what a headhunter was. So I received a phone call. Uh, which lasted seven minutes. Okay. And next thing I know, after seven years in the company, is I am changing company. I'm moving to a, to a new environment. And all of a sudden, I realized that he didn't do a great job at mm. assessing my needs. Like, it's almost like buying a house, right? Moving to a yes. new job or Good renting a, a house for a couple of years. So, of course, I'm not blaming him. I didn't do the due diligence on my own to really... Uh, investigate what was about the new role. But when I entered the new company, I knew very soon that I wouldn't last that long in there. So I said, wait a minute, uh, this guy spent seven minutes with me on the phone. I think he's, he's taken a big fee for that. And the added value is not being great because I'm, I'm going to be leaving the company. Um, so, so I thought to myself, uh, there's a business opportunity here. I can do better at that. And the next fun thing is that my first ever cold call resulted in a job order. So maybe if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be in recruitment today. But my first cold call was, was a job order. Oh, wow. So, so okay, Tell, let's, let's talk about that then. So you launched the business July 2021. Yeah. Um, and how, how, how did things go from there? Yeah. So the, the next thing happened there is, well, the first job order, of course, was not an A level. It was a, what you say, a B or C, C level order which I didn't feel, okay? Uh, but anyway, it helped me to build like everything, the, the terms and conditions and, and everything. And the next fun thing that happened in this, in this period is that the, the next job order, which was a senior role, good salary, what you would say an A job order, came 24 hours before my wife gave birth. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, wow. So you can imagine those first weeks were crazy. Uh, I was in the hospital aisle going up and down with my phone, taking notes on, on my phone, on paper. Um, she would want to kill me. Uh, <laughs> after oh. it. But um, <laughs> later... <laughs> yeah, but, I've been there. Yeah, but, but, but later on, uh, it was great because that year in Spain, it was the first one that the paternity leave was four months. So... This gave time to really build the uh, foundations of, of the business. This second job order, I was able to, to place it. So it was a bigger fee because it, it was a, a bigger salary. And the first day I, I was about to go back to my previous job, I would tell the CEO, listen, I want to try this recruitment thing. They were super nice to me. And instead of uh, going sour or anything, they say, great, so the, your next job order is going to be to find an international product manager. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you did you, fill, did you replace yourself in that job? Yeah. 
not, not only that, so the team was growing at the time. So I, I placed two international uh, product managers. That's hilarious. Okay, wait a sec. Let's back up a second. So what I didn't realize, you started your recruiting firm while you were yeah. on paternity leave from yeah. an, your existing job. Yeah. Okay. And then secondly, you immediately started cold calling. How, how did you know to do that? I, I didn't know at the moment I was doing what I now, I now know it's called job ad chasing. <laughs> but yeah. I was looking at a, at a job ad in a big recruitment firm, one of those which, have, which are in the stock markets and everything. Yeah. And I was reading through the job description and I said, wait a minute, I think I know this company because this location this kind of uh, technology I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. They used to be a supplier of mine. So mm -hmm. it was not technically, it was not a call call, right? Got so it. So I had the CEO's phone, general manager's phone, and I called him and I said, uh, hi, how are you doing? Um, it's me, Enrique. Do you remember I've been in your plant and everything? Um, are you recruiting for a K account manager position? And he said, yeah. Uh, what are you asking for? Do you want to apply? And I said, no, no, I, I would like to help you find this person. Ah, so you are into recruiting now. And I said, yes. And next thing I know yeah, is I'm, I'm getting a job order through a job at Chasing. So that's amazing. I love there. that. It's, but what's cool on me is that it's, um, you were very efficient with, you know, you, and you spotted that opportunity. You connected the dots. You made the call, you got the order, so that's smart. So then your second one, as your wife was giving birth, you got a, an even better job order. Yeah. Um, and then your third order was your own company that you were leaving. Yeah. yeah. That was fortunate that they they took it well and it didn't, it was, you know, it ended up becoming, they became a client. That doesn't always happen. No, we had a, a great business relationship later, not only product managers, but late, later I placed regulatory affairs. So in a way, they, they helped me to really build the foundations of the key roles that I will later recruit for other companies. They like helped me to really build the, the procedures, the standard procedure to, for each and every role. So uh, I will always be um, like... Uh, owing them, but like very grateful for, for what they've done for, for me. So, Amazing. Yeah. And Enrique, it's hard to believe you've only been doing this for two years. Yeah. Which is great. I think that maybe you're the, uh, like of everyone I've had on the podcast, you're the person who's the newest to recruiting. But what you've achieved in two years is absolutely incredible. And that's why I was, you know, wanted you to come on the show because like your, um, your development, your trajectory has been, has been insane. Um, so tell me what happened next, like in this, in this process of trying to bu build a startup uh, recruiting company and make sure that you can provide for your growing family and everything, you know, what, uh, what were, what were the next key milestones from there? Yeah. So first I realized I had the, the industry expertise, but I had, there was a big gap in understanding what recruitment was about. So uh, I think I, I need to, to train my skills into, into that. So that's why I approached you, Mark, in very early in 2021. I told you my plans of revenue and you told me, I think you are not ready yet to come into the, um, the program. 
And this also gave me the drive to, okay, I need to learn more on my own. I need to grow more on my own. So once the foundations were built, which are a website and a phone and a LinkedIn profile, uh, from then on, I knew that from the beginning, at, or at least at the beginning, I wanted to be a solo recruiter uh, because I knew that this would bring me flexibility to have a work-life balance. So I didn't believe the, the story of when you start a company, you need to be 24-7 in it and you know, be a pain for your family and everything. So I wanted to keep uh, balance. So at the beginning, to have some recruiting, recruiting, sorry, some recurring revenue, I was doing a pharmaceutical marketing consultancy for, for a company, mm-hmm. plus recruiting for them. So after a while, I realized that I had to quit pharmaceutical marketing consulting and do 100% recruiting if I really wanted to build a business. So this initial part of marketing consulting gave me uh, safety because you can imagine uh, my girlfriend wasn't that happy that right after giving birth, I was leaving my, my corporate job. So this gave me also a couple of more months to, to really uh, get some revenue and build the, the foundations. Um, from then on, was really, really learning the, the skills of sales, like going through all the, my existing contacts in the industry, building the candidate side uh, at the beginning, like taking a lot of calls that wouldn't lead necessarily to any placements at the, at the beginning. But some of those conversations would bring to bigger job orders and then the, the client referral begin and, you know, everything was was set to to go. Okay, awesome. So <clears throat> this you had a sort of safety net which was the consulting and that's that recurring revenue. So it was it was a courageous step to to stop that and focus 100% on recruiting. Yeah. What made you realize that you needed to go all in with your recruiting business and not have this sort of job as well? You know, I think we as humans, we have a certain bandwidth. And with recruiting, you need to be very high energy every day, like very engaging with candidates and also with clients. You cannot get on the phone. If one day I don't feel I have the high energy, I won't take the phone I, uh, because I'm going to be messing around with clients and candidates. So when you have to deliver consistently on a certain skill set that it's in a different box of your brain, if you want to say, which is uh, marketing consultancy or pharmaceutical marketing consultancy. To me, it was a matter of energy expenditure. Like uh, my bandwidth told me you need to, even though you're going to stop getting this revenue, I think that if you focus 100% into this, you're going to get the fruits later. And of course, at the beginning was frightening uh, because I, if I remember well, there was uh, a month with no revenue at all. Uh, being consistent there. And, and really, I, I, I found it was a truth that I have more energy when I left this to, to go with candidates and clients and everything took off from, from there. Fantastic. So that turned out to be a great decision in the end. And I remember when you reached out to us initially, Enrique, and um, you know, told us your goals and what you were doing. And we replied and said that like, you're not ready for the for the program yet uh, because first of all, like we typically don't work with pure startups because um, A, it's going to increase your costs when you don't have the revenue yet. And we don't want to 
like increase your burn rate of of cash when you're getting at that critical stage and b it's almost like you need to already have the foundation in place before we can really help you to um accelerate things from there but what i do know is you were very proactive in self learning self development listening to podcasts and also just taking action so in, very early on, I think you hired virtual assistant. You started focusing on more retained business. You were doing, you were using automations. So you actually self-taught quite, quite a lot. Could you talk us through like, let's say the first year in business and um, what were the biggest things that you learned during that initial phase? Yeah, I think that there was a big trigger to keep moving forward. And, and I think one is uh, delivering for my family or feeding my family. So yes. even though I had some, some bad days or were no, no business uh, coming in, at the, the bed of my daughter was on the left side of my, of my uh, laptop. So it was a forcing function. Mm -hmm. Like I need to really do that no matter what. Uh, so this really helped me to to go through through the initial ups and downs and really investing in in training because you you mentioned uh retain search this was not until I joined your your program oh, that I okay. was able to to do a, a retain search so I realized yeah I need to to train my my skills 100% to to keep growing the the business and also uh when when not only when you are a startup it's tough but especially if you are a solo recruiter you need to be part of a of a wider community. You need to be part of the crowd, and and joining a, the inner circle group gave me that. So even though it was a big investment, because if you look at the percentage of investment in, in my year plan and and the part of the revenue that was taken from my 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 investment in in training was very big in in very representative. But it it, it was it turned out to be the best decision I I could make because I more than doubled my my revenue in in the next year so amazing i really maybe counterintuitive but leave all the things that are not core like those side uh, consulting and focus and invest on on training i would say awesome interesting uh did you say your daughter's bed was right beside your desk where your laptop yeah. was so yeah, you yeah. were in the you were you were in your daughter's bedroom. Is that where your office was? Yeah. Or? yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So that really focuses your motivation because you can see this is what I'm doing this for, right? That's uh, that's cool. Yeah, and also, yeah, my my girlfriend realized that it was a good idea when I was able to go to the school and and so to the kindergarten and deliver her pick her or uh, at five or take any medical appointment with no regret, not asking anyone. Like she really saw the flexibility of the, this lifestyle business I was building and she absolutely buy in to recruitment. And she started to hear about you all day, Mark Whitby, and yeah, it was <laughs> funny days. Hilarious. So uh, looking back then over your first couple of years in business, what are the accomplishments that you're the most proud of? Um, at the beginning, since my background was international, uh, I, I had the luck to travel to many countries like Middle East, 
learn from different cultures like South America, uh, Colombia, Peru, China, uh, Malaysia. I really enjoyed the, the international part. I, I wanted at some point to do international recruitment, and I know it was going to be difficult. But one of the parts I am more more proud of is having taken job international job orders. So we have already worked for France, Italy, and the U.S. And the U.S. I'm especially proud of because it's a market that I never worked before as a as a product manager. So this would be one thing I'm really proud of: the going international to some to some level. And then I would say having been consistent with putting content out there. It's also some learning I took from, from you that, that I need to, to put my name out there. So I've been for the last year very consistent. I think I almost failed very few days to, to be out there. And then also having shift all my business from contingent to retained. I mean, this is probably the ones I am more, uh, not proud, but it helps me to find the joy in, in recruitment. So, yeah. Are you worried about keeping your recruitment firm up to date with the latest technology? After all, your clients expect you to be ahead of the curve. But how do you select the right tech for your recruitment firm and make sure that you earn enough new business as a direct result to make back the cost of your investment? Which is why our friends at iIntro provide in-depth coaching alongside their technology to help you get the most out of your investment. They offer an extensive suite of tools, but let's just take one example, their behavioral assessment tool. It's built right into their online system, so you don't have to buy or learn a whole new platform. They also include training on how to use behavioral assessments to improve your pitching technique while also increasing the longevity of your placements to a staggering 96% after 12 months. For a free demo of iIntro's suite of recruitment tools, including behavioral assessment, just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained. Remember, when you engage with our sponsors, you also help support this podcast. Just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained, then follow the instructions to get started. Amazing. So let's take each of those in turn. And by the way, I would encourage all our listeners to follow Enrique on LinkedIn. Uh, it's Enrique Mikel, M-I-Q-U-E-L. Enrique is one of the most consistent content uh, creators on LinkedIn. He puts out really high quality stuff. It looks beautiful, like with your branding and everything. You've done an excellent job with that. But also the the variety and the quality of your content is fantastic. You've obviously got your podcast and you put out video clips from that, but lots of other things. So if you are looking for a role model to like, what should I be doing on LinkedIn? Then Enrique is a great role model to, um, to, to follow. Why was it important to you to, I mean, you mentioned you enjoy other cultures and you enjoy, you know, the travel, but also just learning of other cultures. But why else was it important to you that you recruit internationally rather than, you know, f just in, in Spain? Yeah, so I, I find joy in, in the international because of the exchange of cultures. Like you, you really have to adjust your, your mindset, but also you realize that we have all humans very similar needs and values. So this I found super interesting to be in. 
Another part is that it can be an excuse to travel abroad, which is something that I was doing in my role as international product manager. And also probably because it's added value for, for your clients, like to, if you can help them with, with uh, an international placement, you are really bringing value to the, to the table and becoming a trust partner to, to them. Yeah. Those, yeah. those reasons. Make no, sense that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's, it's a different mindset because like, I, I think a lot of recruiters don't do that because they perceive that it's going to be very different or it's going to be too challenging or obviously there are logistical issues with time zone differences and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, how did you how did you overcome those challenges and, and embrace, like, for example, making your first U.S. placement, which was a brand new market for you? Yeah, this was challenging because it was in California time zone. So mm -hmm. this is Sacramento, nine hours uh, different. So to me, it was uh, 1 a.m. in the morning. And for candidates, it was like 3 or 4 p.m., which it was the time they had for, for interviews. So this was um, pain, of course, at the beginning. Uh, but then my, my VA, she's based in, in Venezuela, so close to the time zone. So to me, it was an excuse to train her to at least do the screening calls, the first um, initial conversations. And, you know, she ended up recently doing her, her first placement, which is something I forgot to mention I am uh, very proud of too. Wow, that's awesome. So wait a sec, we, sh we should double click on this because... Hopefully, most of our listeners know that we're big advocates on hiring virtual assistants. They can be working remotely from an, another country even. And that's a great way for you as the business owner to be able to delegate some of the tasks and so that you're not trying to do absolutely everything yourself. But uh, what's interesting is that I'd say the majority of our clients end up hiring someone in the Philippines, but you've gone for Venezuela. How did you choose... Venezuela as the country to recruit your assistant from? Yeah, we, we forgot to mention that maybe even if people follow me, they have to know that all my content nowadays, it's in Spanish. Yes. So, uh, but yeah, to me, uh, Latin America makes sense because we, we also speak, they also speak Spanish there. Yeah. And then at the beginning, as uh, the, fun the functions I, I need was sourcing. Uh, so Annie's been with me almost two, two years now. So wow, so, that's yeah, brilliant! I have, I have a retention rate, a high retention rate of VA. Uh, I don't call him VA anymore. I consider her um, a colleague of mine, yes. a partner. So at the beginning, this was mostly about sourcing. But when when this US opportunity came, which was um, a client which has a subsidiary company in in the US, to me it made sense to train her more into the um, into the candidate part because she could help me with, with this time zone uh, interviews. Yes, no, that makes a lot of sense. And of course, uh, you know, you need a colleague who speaks the same language as you and your customers. So that makes total sense. Um, and then the time zone wise as well, it makes sense. You know, if you're targeting, you know, North America, then someone in Latin America is going to be in the same time zone. So that also makes sense. Um, but how did you recruit that individual? Because like our roadmap for hiring VAs 
is mainly focused on the Philippines. So you would have had to find different ways to uh, build that talent pool. Oh, by the way, I have to say that going for VAs in the Philippines, I think it's a great idea. First of all, it's the country which I have worked the most during my time as product manager. And I have to say that there are people there with high worth uh, work ethic. Like it's yes. the people who I work, I would say more comfortable during my time as product manager. The English is great. They speak Ameri almost yep. American native accent, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, to me, it, it makes more sense to do to time zone to go to, to Latin America. What is good also is that when we talk, she's starting her day. So we can like strategize on, on, this, on these parts of the day. Like maybe even it's your morning, uh, you can do some calls here that will be in the afternoon. So we, we sometimes take advantage of this uh, time zone both ways, like not only for yes. U.S., and to me, the recruiting process was through a platform, uh, Upwork, uh, through a platform. Oh, yeah. Okay, of course. Yeah. Great. She was a geologist and she was doing multiple uh, tasks at the moment. But I asked her to, one of the things she was doing was candidate sourcing. And I asked her to, to focus on that uh, with me at the beginning. But from then, we grow to many different tasks over time. Um, and also taking more hours. At the beginning, we were doing very few hours. Now we are doing six hours a day. Uh, so almost a full-time job for, for her. Excellent. I, yeah, Upwork is a great platform for finding international talent, um, for sure. And uh, so that makes total sense. And you're right. Like Often uh, your virtual assistant's role can really expand and develop. and you know, they show you that they're competent and motivated and helping, adding value in one area. And then you think, well, this is a talented person. I wonder what else could they do that would, they would enjoy and gives them more variety in their role, but also helps me, right? And helps the business. So great job with that. That's exciting. Um, what would you say has been, oh, okay. So then, so there was, international expansion. It was um, recruiting and uh, helping your virtual assistant to become successful. But the other achievement you mentioned is going to retained. Yeah. Why was that important to you? Yeah. I think that uh, they say, there's this saying, comparison is the thief of joy. I would rather say uh, contingent search is the thief of joy. <laughs> right. I, I but, feel you. Yeah. <laughs> So to be completely honest, the first uh, retained search came from giving a discount. So this was the first time it didn't happen anymore, but it was kind of a trigger to um, really jump for the first time into a retained. So yeah. it was a total different experience. I, I was super engaged with um, my commitment with my client was super high after going with this that I said, listen, I'm going to propose to all of my clients from now on, I'm not taking more uh, contingent search anymore. So again, it was like leaving the consultancy business. Again, it was a scary decision. And again, um, there was a, a very low month again, uh, but it happened to be another great decision. And at some point I, I was tempted to maybe take a contingent search here. I will do this exception for a client. 
But when I entered the conversations in more details, they were asking for higher um, guarantee periods. They were, high, they were asking for many other things, not only the contingent. So I said, you know what? I don't want to go back to this anymore. And now I'm super happy with this decision. Awesome. Yeah, you're, you're so right. Like, it's the quality of the relationship and the buy-in and the engagement from the customer is, is completely different. And so not only are your, your success rate going to be much higher, but also just it's more enjoyable, right? You feel yeah. like you're respected and that they value your service and your perspective. They want your advice instead of you're a vendor and you know, the communication is poor and you don't get feedback and they mess you around and you have to chase them up. And all the, we know all the issues that can arise with uh, contingency, right? So, um, but what's interesting, Enrique, is again, it was the sort of courageous step to let go. This is what holds people back is they, they want to hold on to um, what they've already got but when your hands are closed holding on to what you've already got, you can't, you know, you can't uh, create space for something even better, right? Absolutely. So it's that almost mental leap of saying, you know, I, I can't keep doing this if I also want that. So, you know, I'm just going to go for it because I, I really believe that is going to be a better in the long run, that's going to be a better uh, business model for me. Um, but talk to me about how that you you said you you did have a down month when you first made this transition. Yeah. So was part of you? Did you start thinking, "Oh no, I've made a mistake," or what was going through your head at that point? No, I, I lost clients in the in the process. Yeah. So. This was the toughest part. I mean, we are, as humans, nature, like we have fear of loss. Yes. So it was this, the biggest mindset shift was entering the conversations, uh, saying to myself in my head, if I lose this client, it's fine. It's totally fine. If I lose this client, it's fine. So this was the most difficult part. But th that click helped me to really, it's, this is why nowadays I'm 100% retained and not contingent anymore. But that leap, of course, was the toughest part. Now it seems easy, but that moment. It's so interesting because it's 80% mindset. And then obviously there's strategy, there's a technique, there's, you have to get good at explaining the value and what the customer, what the deliverables are and the benefits and so on. But that part actually is the easier part. The harder part is your own mindset, having the confidence to to ask for you know money you know a deposit at the beginning so i'm uh, really proud of you Enrique. that's um that's awesome that you've uh you've taken that step how no mark and you've you've definitely helped in me in that process so kudos to you of course to, i appreciate it. but Enrique, again i'll say it i said at the beginning i'll say it again is uh we work with a lot of recruiting firm owners and you really stand out as someone who um, takes action and implements. And that is the key. You can have all of the ideas, you can have all the knowledge, all the, you know, training in the world, but if you don't apply it, then it's going to stay the same. Nothing is going to improve. And you've just like consistently taken action after action after action. 
Which leads me actually to ask about your podcast. Could you tell a little bit about um, why you started a podcast and how that's been contributing to the to the business? Yeah, of course, the resilient recruiter was a, an inspiration to me to to start the podcast. But well, in fact, when I was product manager, I also had a first podcasting experience, like inviting. Uh, KOLs, like uh, opinion leaders to our space to talk about medical nutrition and so on. And I had this first uh, experience 2019 with podcasting. So I, 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 thought, I, had, um, I thought it was a great idea to build uh, networking. And then you put back the idea into my mind to, to start with that. So to me, podcasting is a way to build network among candidates and clients. I, I like to think of the sales process to enter the sales process with having as much tools as possible to have interesting conversation with your prospects, not taking the phone and be, I'm another recruiter and I can help you with that search. So having a toolbox of, of things I can talk about. So podcast was just another of those tools to have interesting conversations. So if one sale couldn't be closed through, I don't know, job at chasing maybe another angle a couple of weeks later will be listen and, and if the person was interesting of course would you like to come to this podcast that we we have but going back to to the the beginning on why why should uh how would you start that i also had uh certain contacts that were kind of relevant in our space so those were the first people who i approached when when i started the the podcast and the feedback was great from the beginning. So even though the audience uh, wouldn't be big, I, I started receiving messages. So this encouraged me to keep doing it until today. So I didn't fail the month since, yeah, one year and four months now. That's awesome. Consistency is king discouraged. It doesn't automatically, it's the way I think of it is like sales and marketing are complementary. And, uh, but the marketing efforts do not, always have an immediate payoff, right? And, um, but building a brand takes time and it's that consistency over time. So is yours, is a, is it a monthly show, Henri? Yeah, some months I did twice, but okay. my promise is to be monthly. Got it. And one more thing about podcasting is that you automatically generate insightful content for your audience. Yes. So again, it's not only a way to have interesting conversations with candidates or clients, it's a way to put relevant content monthly. So when you are running out of ideas of content, then you have this podcast clip that helps you keep going with your content strategy. Definitely. It becomes like a pillar piece of content, which then you can uh, spin off into micro content, video clips, you know, and, and other, uh, other types of content. So it becomes, yeah, absolutely. It, it almost becomes like you gain momentum and it becomes like an unstoppable you know, thing. And, and, um, what I'm impressed with, with your, yours is very high quality. It looks like, like the filming and everything. How did you set that up? Because it's better than what we're doing. Like as far as the camera and all that, it just looks really good. I'm curious about how you, how you do that. Thank you, Mark. Um, no, I, well, the, um, the thing is that to, to build the, um, the content, uh, what I started first was with doing uh, diet content, would say. So I quit all my social media, like Instagram, Twitter, from my phone. And for uh, 
maybe period of two or three months, I was just consuming content. And not only from our industry or pharma or uh, recruiting, but I was listening also to technology podcasts. So I found one uh, in Spain, which was about technology startups and everything, which really inspired me. And, you know, they had this setup there in, in Barcelona, and which was very cool. It was in a convenient place. So I was starting then and I approached them, just asked them that, would you be open to do a collaboration or uh, a partnership where I would put your name at the beginning of my podcast and I, and I can produce here? And because they are entrepreneurial and startup mindset, they said, yes, why not? And, and just by asking, they, we had this kind of professional, very professional studio, which then you have uh, attractive clips. And yeah, it's been, it's been very helpful to, to begin with. That's smart. It's very smart. So you actually found a podcast that was already established that, that you, in, you liked and you yeah. appreciated their setup and they were local to you so you could you could use their studio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. But how will that work? Because you're relocating, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm moving continuously to back and forth to, to Barcelona. Now I, I, I also want to be more present in, in Madrid uh, because up to today, most of my business is quite local, uh, based in Barcelona. So yeah. uh, this is going to be an excuse also to be to expand more more nationally. Yes. But but yeah, our monthly appointment it's, it's going to be kept as it is until now. Got it. Okay, that's fine. That makes sense. And uh so once a month I mean you could even batch them, right? Yeah. You could do I've, I've two done or three that interviews sometimes. Yeah. in a day and then you've got your content for the next quarter. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That's so cool, Enrique. Um what would you say has been the biggest challenge or um, struggle as uh, of you know being the owner of a startup uh, company? Mm. To me, I would say would be building confidence because at the beginning, I even though I had been seven years in the industry, I had industry knowledge, I guess. I felt kind of the famous imposter syndrome of. Who are you to become a recruiter overnight? And yes. that led to begin with low fees, what I consider now low fees. So overcoming this uh, syndrome, let's say, has been the most challenge. So really build cre my credibility and my confidence as an established leader in my sector who I'm worth my value. This has been probably the the most difficult and challenging part. That's really interesting. I'm sure many, many people can relate to that. What did that process involve then? What were the steps that allowed you to build that confidence and to believe in the value and the worth that you were delivering? A couple, couple of things like having conversations with candidates who could told me, wow, you are super knowledgeable about my position. I never mm -hmm. talked to a recruiter who really understood my role. And then also having feedback from clients saying, so it, it was not internal, this growth. It came from external validation, I okay. have to say. And the second moment that helped me realize the, the value I was able to bring to the table was when I raised my fees by, I don't know, 25 or 30 percent. I asked uh, my clients to give me feedback. And what I realized is that the ones that were paying the most 
would give me nine and 10 marks. And candidate and clients who were paying the lower fees, which I was delivering even better for them when you look at the metrics, because I track all my uh, KPIs from the very beginning, I was certain that I was delivering good for those clients. They were the lowest uh, marks to me. So, Wow, that's interesting. So the perception, even though objectively you were delivering really well for all of those customers, because you have the metrics, you can see your performance, the companies that were paying more perceived that you were doing a better job and the companies that were paying less per perceived yeah. that it was uh, less. Uh, that is so interesting. It just shows how powerful the perception is and that actually sometimes if you pay more, you also value it more and your perception of the quality is, is higher. Um, that's really interesting. But Enrique, nevertheless, I know you're saying it was external validation, but some, many recruiters, they do, they could choose to accept that external validation, but they still don't let it, they don't believe it and they don't, they don't let that bolster their confidence in order to, for example, raise their fees. They still hold themselves back, even though there is evidence if they chose they, to, to consider the evidence of happy clients, you know, customer feedback, testimonials, referrals, but they almost minimize or ignore that positive feedback and they focus on the fear of, you know, oh, but what if, you know, what if I raise my fees and people no longer want to do business? So how did you internalize that feedback and be willing to accept it? Yeah, um, it was somehow just accepting it. Like when, when you see in your inbox one day and another, not only from the recruiting part, uh, but also for the content I was putting out there, uh, which I tried yeah. to make it like very aligned with my value. Uh, here and then, um, some certain posts would resonate with certain people. So it was not only the validation of my technical recruiting skills, but also I had a crowd or a people around who were aligned with my values. So if you put together, you see your purpose, it's, it's becoming true, it's becoming real, plus you are delivering good on the technical side. If you align values and, and technical parts, so everything compounds together and you have to build that trust and that confidence. There's no other way. That's powerful. I, I, it's a great, it's a great point. And you know, when you're sharing that insightful content with your market, um, you will get so. So there's the direct benefit of attracting business, attracting candidates, and so on. But the indirect benefit is your. I mean, it's multiple. So your building, of course, your profile, you're attracting an audience, you're building a network of people who trust you and they are aligned with your values, as you mentioned, but also you're actually making an impact and you're helping many people. And those people may never become customers, but they're still benefiting from and they appreciate the value that you're putting out there. And that feedback starts coming back as well, which is really, really um, fulfilling, I think. And does boost your confidence and make you feel like I am contributing something and I do have knowledge and I do um, make a difference yeah. in, my, in my industry. So 
It's brilliant yeah. on Reddit. So first of all, did you have something you want to add? Yeah, no, I wanted to add that re recruiting itself, it's super fulfilling because you are able to change people's lives for better and for good. And, and it's yes. this feeling when a person who maybe was in a toxic environment or had reached a plateau in their career and you realize that putting them in a different environment can help them flourish. And then you see their boss or uh, different people in the company saying, wow, this has been really impactful. Um, thinking that, that you've been part of this process is super powerful and, and rewarding. Yes, 100%. I agree. You mentioned something I wanted to pick up on again, which is the metrics, because it's so interesting. We, we encourage all of our clients to uh, track their metrics so they understand what's working and where they can, where there's opportunities to improve. And, and the value, of course, is that you can make more money. The areas that we need to address and fix within our process, whether it's sales or recruiting, um, most people don't do it, is the reality. Because, I mean, it's kind of a pain. It's administration. Yeah. It does require some discipline to you know, fill out a spreadsheet or to input that data on your, uh, on your recruitment software. Um, but again, Enrique Miquel is the guy who actually does it. So um, what have you learned by, well, first of all, how do you track your metrics and, and what has been the benefit of doing that? Yeah. Uh, one challenge I forgot to mention, Mark, yeah. is that from the beginning, I tried to treat myself like a very, a small company, like a company itself. So like, I built a marketing plan as I have been doing for the last seven years. So I yeah. tried to have the discipline like, okay, I'm going to have a marketing plan for the next year with a budget, with objectives, qualitative and quantitative. And the second part, I think this was a good part of not having agency recruitment background because I see recruiters out there who had been, who had bosses who had been super tough on metrics and not explaining them why they are tracking this. So because I, I didn't have this previous background, I could only see benefits in tracking myself. Otherwise, mm -hmm. how would I improve? So it's a work in progress. Uh, I'm still struggling somehow with my BD metrics side, but for the delivery side, I, I from the very beginning, I tracked like everything, interviews, uh, how many of those interviews are submitted to clients, of those who submitted who interview, of those interviewed who uh, end up being placed. So I, I track all of those things because otherwise I, I would be blind. I wouldn't know. And with, I have some tricks like uh, using like chess uh, pieces. So anytime I, I don't know, I do a, an interview or a, a cold call, I, I will move it to the other side and it's a way to help me with, uh, you know, filling the spreadsheet, which, which is how, how am I doing it? I love, say more about the chess pieces. I like this. Yeah, so it's just a way to um, to physically put what your activity is being. So if I have any time I send a personalized outbound email, I move a black pawn to the to the right, and any time I do a cold call or a, a, a warm call, I try to be them. I move a white one, and when I have five of them done, I fill my my spreadsheet with five and five. So I don't have to be uh, all the time going back and forth with my spreadsheet. So I know the activity I've done for the morning, it's 10 activities, and then I track them. That that's is why. brilliant. I love that. Um, I love chess also, by the way. So, <laughs> okay. so that's why. 
That's cool. So you've got a positive association to the chess pieces themselves, yeah. but also it's a physical, there's something kinetic about that. And so yeah. like putting a number on a spreadsheet isn't that satisfying really, Yeah. but moving that, picking up that piece, moving it to the side, hearing it click on that, it's, it's, there's something much more satisfying about that process. No, it's psychologically powerful because, yeah. you know, in chess, moving a pawn forward, it's not a big move. Uh, but one of them can be the winning move of the game. So it's powerful to me. It helped me to, right. to frame my, my mindset. Yeah, if you, if you keep moving that pawn forward, he could become a, 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 a queen. queen. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Enrique, this has been so much fun and uh, I hope we do it again. Let's do it again in another year and see how things have continued to, you know, progress and expand. Um, you know, Mark, yeah. in, sorry to interrupt, Go in my it. notes, I was looking for back for because I, I, I thought I had read at the moment, uh, at one year from now, I would like be at the level to be a guest at the Resilient Recruiter. So the other day after I received Rachel's email, I went back to my notes and it was more than a year ago, but still it's, it, it's been a, a big pleasure to be with you today. Oh, that's so cool. You actually wrote it as a goal? I, I wrote be at the level of a resilient recruiter guest because I admire many people who've been here, Rich Rosen, um, et cetera, are big reference for me. So it was not like literally being here, but trying to be at the level of those people who are there. So yeah, I, I found this that funny. That is so cool. And uh, yeah, we, well, you've gotten to meet Rich and and that's the the awesome thing with our our podcast community and our clients have sort of, like merged in a way so that many of the people who've been on the show are, you know, in our, in our community. And so, you know, we get to hang out together. And so, uh, so that's a lot of fun. So Rich runs a Monday, a, a, a call on a Monday, which is called the Peer Accountability Group. And that's where Rich and whoever wants to come along really uh, share what their activities have been from a, you know, a business development and marketing perspective for that week what's going well, where they're, you know, and it's, it's, it's very, um, reassuring to share. Like if you're having a, a, a bad week or things haven't gone your way, then you get, you know, you realize that you're not alone and, you know, some other people have had a tough week, but then also some people have had a, have been crushing it that week. And so you gain ex inspiration and energy from those folks. And then you, you can reset and say, okay, well, the next week, here's what I'm going to accomplish. And you reset the you know, the, the, the target. And so, you know, it's just fun things like that, uh, that, um, hundred percent Mark and, yeah. and Rich Rosen is a super inspiration for solopreneurs. Yes. And to me, it's been amazing. Have the luxury to be on Monday's evening, uh, with him. He inspired me to go high in inspirations in terms of volume being consistent. So yeah, I totally subscribe your words, super helpful practice. These one-to-one -one sessions with, with Rich. Fantastic. All right, Enrique. Well, look, uh, thank you for being on the show and let's definitely do it again. And I can't wait to see the next, uh, next step in your journey. Thank you, Mark. A pleasure. Thanks, Enrique. Thank you for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. I know how busy recruiters are, so I'm honored that you're investing this time with me each week. I don't take your attention for granted. That's why I'm going all out to deliver value for you here. Real insights you can apply to improve your business. And if you really want to help me to reach a wider audience and impact more people, please consider leaving the show a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you leave me a review, please reach out and let me know so I can thank you personally. 
please hit the subscribe button and I'll see you next time.